You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, as you might recall, last weekend we started a new series for the new year, and the series is called Right on the Money. And in that series, uh, we uh, focused last week on gaining God's perspective on money, gaining God's perspective on his money that he's given to us uh, and he's entrusted us with to manage and steward. And so we, we did that by looking at about six questions about money that would help us gain uh, God's perspective. Um, this morning, as we continue on in the series, right on the money, um, I want to make a slight adjustment. And let me explain why. Um, this week, as I was uh, praying over and I was preparing for the message, uh, my sense, uh, as I was just listening to God, asking him and listening to him, that the message today uh, about money is actually to be cradled to be placed or positioned in, in, a, in a larger uh, message. And that message flows out of what I talked about two weekends ago about more. And for those who weren't here, let me quickly bring you up to date, um, uh, catch you up. Two weekends ago, the first weekend of the year, I shared with you how uh, I personally had been uh, asking God for a word that would direct me for this coming year, um, uh, a thematic word, a word that would frame what uh, God was wanting to do in me. And when I asked that question immediately, I heard God speak the word more, M-O-R-E. And when I heard that, it, uh, it, it immediately resonated within me because it represented a desire that was already happening when, inside of me, that I had been asking God for more, that I had recognized that I am not satisfied with spiritual status quo. I don't want to remain where I am, but I want more of him in every aspect of my life. I went on to share that beyond the personal. In other words, that this is not just a word for me, but I have a firm conviction that this word more is a word for us as a church. I I have a firm conviction that God has and is calling us to more as a church, not just as individuals, but as a group moving forward in him together, that he's calling us. He has more for us. Um, I am certain that God has more for us and that God wants us to come into a greater understanding of who he is. And God wants us to come into a, a greater revelation of how he works. And God is calling us to uh, uh, more time with him and more conversation with him and more intimacy with him. And that God is calling us to exponential spiritual growth that we would experience growth like never before. And that it flows out of a desire in our heart for more and more of him. Um, that God's desire for us is that we would be a people who see ourselves as contending for more, and as we contend for more, that we would want to possess all that he has for us, that we would want to take every spiritual blessing, all the spiritual wealth that has already been provided for us through Jesus Christ, and see it active in every part of our lives. And so it takes us beyond money. Notice I said every part of our lives, and that while we want to have more in our finances, we want to see more of him manifesting, flowing out into every area of our lives. So with that, this morning, um, even though we're in a series about money, um, the passage that I want to work from today, uh, it doesn't mention money. It doesn't have any implications of money. In fact, the passage that I want to work from today has nothing whatsoever to do with money. 
Nothing whatsoever. However, it does deal with wealth, not material wealth, not financial wealth, but it deals with spiritual wealth. The spiritual wealth has been provided for us through Jesus Christ. And so I want to read to you a passage from the first chapter of Ephesians. Some of you might be reaching for your Bible to turn there, and I would say stop. And here's why. I don't want to forbid you from reading the word. But I want to read to you today from a different translation than I normally read from. Typically, I would read to you from the NIV. But today, I want to read to you from a translation called the Phillips or the J.B. Phillips translation. And I chose it because I just like the way that it states these verses. It's not a paraphrase. Uh, it, it, It is a translation. And what I'd like for you to do, rather than following along in your translation, trying to make sure you're at the same place that I am, I want you to listen. And as you listen, I want you to begin to draw out the spiritual wealth, the spiritual blessing that Paul talks about in these verses. So let me read to you, beginning in verse 3. It says, Praise be to God for giving us through Christ every possible spiritual benefit as citizens of heaven. For consider what he has done. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us to become in Christ his holy and blameless children living within his constant care. He planned in his purpose of love that we should be adopted as his own children through Jesus Christ, that we might learn to praise that glorious generosity of his, which has made us welcome in the everlasting love he bears towards the Son. It is through the Son, at the cost of His own blood, that we are redeemed, freely forgiven through that full and generous grace which has overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to the truth. For God had allowed us to know the secret of His plan, and it is this. He purposes in his sovereign will that all human history shall be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven or in earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in him. And here is the staggering thing, that in all which will one day belong to him, we have been promised a share, an inheritance, since we were long ago destined for this by the one who achieves his purpose by his sovereign will, so that we as the first to put our confidence in Christ, may bring praise to his glory. And you trusted him when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And after you gave your confidence to him, you were, so to speak, stamped with the promised Holy Spirit as a guarantee of purchase until the day when God completes the redemption of what he has paid for as his own. And that will again be to the praise of his glory. Since then, I heard of this faith of yours in the Lord Jesus and the practical way in which you were expressing it towards fellow Christians. I thank God continually for you, and I never give up praying for you. And this is my prayer, that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the all-glorious, uh, and the all-glorious Father will give spiritual wisdom and the insight, listen to this, to know more of him. Thank that you may receive that inner illumination of the spirit, which will make you realize how great is the hope to which he is calling you. The magnificence and splendor of the inheritance promised to Christians and how tremendous is the power available to us 
who believe in God. Would you agree with me that that passage is full? It is rich with spiritual wealth. And it is rich with a spiritual wealth that we don't have to obtain, but has already been provided for us through Jesus Christ. That's the message that Paul is getting across. When we look at the passage, the passage that I read, it could be divided into two different sections, verses 3 through 14 and verses 15 through 19. Uh, as Paul begins in the first section, um, Paul uh, begins by providing for the believers at Ephesus and for us uh, an accounting, so to speak, of um, uh, our spiritual wealth, our spiritual assets, um, the, uh, the spiritual blessings uh, that we have been provided uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, let me pause for a minute and just say this. Some of you are looking in your teaching notes right now and you're saying, where in the world is he? I'm going to get to this. Remember, I'm cradling this message in a larger message. And so in just a few moments, we're going to get to the back side, to the bottom portion of this. I don't want to cause too much confusion. So, um, uh, and as Paul, he's giving this spiritual accounting. He's um, uh, recalling the spiritual blessings that have been made to us through Jesus Christ and and as he gives account for each of the spiritual blessings, it's interesting. He isn't calling the, the Ephesian believers, nor is he calling us to work towards obtaining something that we don't have. But instead, he's reminding them of what they already do have. He's reminding them of what they already possess. Uh, he goes on and he prays for them. And in his prayer, uh, he, he, he prays uh, for more. His prayer flows out of more. And it's because his desire is that they and we would be a people who are always contending for more, that we would possess what has already been given to us. Let me ask you this morning, is it possible to have something and not actually take possession of it? Is it possible for it to be yours, but you haven't actually taken possession? And the answer is yes. All of you are agreeing with me that it's possible. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Um, Cammie and I have friends who maybe about a year ago built a new house. When the house was completed, they moved, uh, moved furnished. They fully furnished the house. However, even though the house has been finished and furnished for quite a few months now, um, because they haven't sold the house they're currently living in, they have not been able to take possession of what is already theirs. Does that make sense? So they own it, but they haven't been able to really take possession of it. Another uh, illustration would be, and this is a true story, uh, the story of, uh, of the man who was at a flea market. And uh, it's not a joke. It sounds like, hey, did you hear about the man who went to the flea market? Uh, uh, there was a man who was at a flea market, and he spotted a, a painting that caught his eye, not so much for the painting, but because of the frame around the painting. So he bought it. He took it home, and as he, after he got it home, he was looking at it. And in the frame, somehow hidden in the frame, there was a, an old document. He pulled it out. He put the document away. He put the, the, the painting somewhere. Two years later, a friend was at his home, and um, as, uh, as the friend was looking at the document that the man had found, uh, he got curious. He did a little research, and here's what he found. The document was actually a signed um, uh, uh, copy of the Declaration of Independence, like an original of the Declaration of Independence that had been signed. And as he researched, he found it was worth $1 million dollars. 
So think about it. For two years, this man had owned or he had in his possession this wealth of a million dollars, this document that was worth a million dollars, yet he had never taken full possession of it. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this passage, that there are spiritual blessings that have been provided and it's ours to take advantage of them, to to take possession of them, to own them, that we would move into them and that they would fully uh, infiltrate and saturate every part of our life and we would move into them so that they're active in our lives. It's interesting that as Paul prays for the Ephesians, and I believe that the prayer applies to us, he doesn't uh, pray for material things. He doesn't ask God to give them what they don't have. Instead, he reminds them, he prays that they would uh, take possession of what they already possess, that they would move into what is already theirs. Um, What is in that inventory of spiritual wealth that that Paul uh, identifies? Do you remember, did any of the things kind of jump out to you as you heard me read that? Is there anything that stood out? To know God. Yeah. Anything else? We're adopted. I have the list. So I'm not fully dependent on you because I know sometimes we don't want to ask spiritual answer spiritual questions because we're afraid we'll do it wrong. And it's OK. It's not about getting it. Let me give you the list. Here's the inventory. Paul begins by saying we've been given every possible spiritual benefit as citizens of heaven. And the NIV it says that we've been given uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. But just stop and think about that alone. That's enough. Paul is saying that we have had provided for us through Christ all the spiritual wealth that we need for this life and the life to come in the future. It has already been provided for us. Every bit of it. That's incredible when you think about it. It's already ours. We just have to take possession of it. He goes on and he says that um, through Christ, he's chosen us to be his children. And then he says that we live within his constant care and God's constant care. Then he says that God did adopt us as his children. Uh, He talks about the fact that um, we've been uh, redeemed and freely forgiven. His mystery, the truth of the gospel has been made known to us. And then he says we have a future. We have a hope. We have an inheritance through Jesus Christ, and it's an eternal inheritance. And then he says, and we've been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a, a stamp. He says, you've been stamped with the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment, so a deposit, so to speak, on this inheritance that we share with Christ and that has been provided for us. Paul is saying... This is who you are. This is what you have. This is what's been provided for you. And then he goes on and he prays, and that prayer is threefold. First, the prayer is, uh, I pray that, God, that they would know you more. And, and so in, aspect of every, in thinking of every aspect of our lives, he's saying, I pray that they would be spiritually formed in you, and it would flow over into every area of their lives. And then he says, I pray that they would know more of your power. In other words, that they would know and that we would know the power that has been made available to us through Jesus Christ. Ephesians tells us that the power that resides in us is the same power that God used in in exerting, raising Christ from the dead. That's the kind of power he's praying that we would realize that we have. That power has been placed in us. And then he goes on in 
And he says, I pray that they would know more, that they would have a greater understanding of just how rich the inheritance that awaits them, just how great it is. What a spiritual inheritance we have. What a wealth of spiritual uh, blessing that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. So how do we take that? And how do we, wh- what does it say for us? What is it, uh, how do we apply it to us? And I would say this. Um, God's desire is that we would see ourselves as a people who are contending for him. And that as contenders, we would see ourselves contending that all the spiritual wealth that's been provided for us, that we would fully possess our possessions, that we would allow it to overflow into every area of our lives. He's, he's, God's desire for us is that we would take full possession, that we would be spiritually formed so that this wealth would flow over into our marriages, that we would experience more of God in our marriages, that we would experience more of God in our singleness, that we would experience more of God in our families, that we would experience more of God in all of our relationships, that we would experience more of God in our careers, that we would experience more of God in our education, that we would experience more of God in our worship, and last but not least, also that we would experience more of God in our finances. However, it's not limited to our finances. i firmly believe that as we, as we allow ourselves to possess the spiritual wealth that God has provided for us through Jesus Christ, that these areas begin to fall in place, including finances. But it's not like we only focus on our finances. But we allow God to infiltrate with that spiritual wealth every aspect of our life, that we allow it to come in alignment with what He has called us to and what He's provided us for. So... Let me make a transition. We are in a series about money, and it's called Right on Money. And so with that, having thought through everything I've said, how do we um, have God uh, or more of God in our finances? How do we have more of God in our finances? Let me ask this. Do you believe that um, help is needed in the area of finances? Yeah. Yeah, let me give you some statistics to prove this. Um, and these statistics aren't old. They're, they're actually very current. They're, they're very current. 55% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 30% of Americans pay the minimum due on their credit card, which means the uh, average American who has credit card debt pays about $1,300 in interest per year. 66% of Americans would struggle to scrounge up $1,000 in an emergency. In a survey of 1,600 employees, 47% said they were highly stressed dealing with their finances. I would have thought that it would have been a higher percentage, quite honestly. Uh, Americans revolving debt, the bulk of which is credit card balances, that debt in March of 2018 hit $1 trillion. March of 2018, credit card debt, revolving credit card, or revolving debt, over $1 trillion. 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account, and 39% have no savings at all. So with that, we can say, yes, 
There is help needed in finances. So what I want to do is I want to just give you five simple, practical principles for uh, financial freedom. And so this is now where we're in the teaching notes. Um, I'm not going to do the top part. There are fill-ins there. And some of you might say, oh, you have to give us the fill-ins. The answers are right here on the back. Did you, if you didn't know that, they're always there. If I miss one, they're right there. And I'm going to skip down to the five principles. And again, they're basic, they're simple, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. Uh, the first principle, honor God first. If you want to experience more of God in your finances, honor God first. How do we do that? Well, I believe that we honor God first. In order to honor God first, there has to be a perspective change. That's what we talked about last week, that there has to be a perspective or an attitude change that we really do have to understand that in right perspective, that the money, everything belongs to God and that God gives it to us. He entrusts us with it as his uh, stewards and that we're responsible for that. And so we honor him by honoring that perspective. I think the second way that we honor God through our finances is that we have to surrender control. We have to be able to surrender control of our finances and we submit to what he has to say about our finances. And last weekend, we recognized that the Bible has a lot to say. There are over 2,000 verses that deal directly with how to handle uh, money and finances, uh, money and, and possessions. So the Bible has, so we have to surrender to that. Um, and then finally, uh, we honor God first through the principle of the tithe. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say a lot about this today because in, we only have one more week in this, in this series. Um, and, uh, and it just so happens that it's not next weekend, but it's the weekend after that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the tithe. But one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to share our personal tithing story. Uh, because Cammy and I learned early on through determining not to tithe. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the story today. In two weeks, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you our tithing story. <laughs> this is too much to tell. Um, but uh, we we want to. Why would we not? If God gives us everything, if it's His, if He entrusts us, why would we not give back a small portion of what He's what's already His? And you just ask for a small portion. So enough for that. Principle number two. Develop a plan for your money. Develop a plan for your money. We've all heard it said, if you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. It's not new with me, but it's true, and it actually pertains to our money. When we don't have a a plan for our money, um, failure is is inevitable. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as sure as um, haste leads to poverty. I think it speaks for itself. Um, maybe many of you, if not most of you, have a plan for your money. If you're here and you don't have a plan for your money, we want to resource you as a church. Beginning on uh, uh, February 3rd, Sunday, February 3rd, uh, and our, during our 930 service over in the pod, we're going to be offering Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University is a nine-week course that's designed to help you develop a plan for your finances. That um, it, uh, In the process, you learn God's perspective. You learn more about God's perspective on money, but also uh, you learn how to create a plan for your money. You learn how to budget. Uh, you learn how to dump debt. We all like to dump debt, right? Get it paid off. And we learn how to plan for the future. And so there's information about that in your worship guide. Uh, so I would encourage, if you don't have a plan, make plans to attend uh, the, the uh, FPU course. Let me give you the third principle. 
Guard against foolish debt. Guard against foolish debt. In our experience, mine and Cammie's experience, foolish debt always uh, gets us in trouble and follows us for a long time. Give me an example. More than on one occasion in our lives, we have thought we needed a new automobile or a van. And uh, we said, well, we can't afford it right now. We'll have to plan on that. Uh, but then Friday would come and say, well, maybe we'll just kind of go window shopping. We'll just go on the lot and we'll just look. You know, We're not going to buy. Trust me, we're not going to buy. But we're just going to go and we're going to look. And so we do. And uh, as soon as we get onto the car lot... Um, the salesman is quick to come out, a salesperson is quick to come out, and the first thing we say is, oh, we're just looking. We're, we're not going to buy. They go, okay, let's, let me show you a few things. But I just want to make sure you know, we're just looking. We can't afford to buy right now, two hours later. <laughs> and on more than one occasion, we've driven off and where we've gotten ourselves foolishly in a lease that has followed us, that's chased us for years because we thought we could get more car for less money. And we really didn't need the van with the leather interior and the gold trim. We just really did it. And so uh, foolish spending comes often uh, out of what we think we want rather than what we need. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich, uh, the rich uh, rule the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Here's principle number four. Embrace the value of self-control. Self-control. The opposite of self-control is um, lack of control, and sometimes, depending on your personality, it's out of control. Um, Self-control is challenging because it means that we have to say no to ourselves, and it's much easier to say yes. Um, without self-control, we're on a pathway to destruction. Proverbs 25:28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Speaks for itself. Um, learning self-control is all about learning to be content with what we have. Paul, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, I believe verse 11, talks about the fact that he's had plenty and he's had little, but what he's learned is to be content wherever he is. And so we have to, as a people, learn contentment, that we have to learn to be content with what we have. And here's the last principle. Choose to live generously. Choose to live generously. Uh, last week, as we talked about money, uh, we said that money is a tool that God uh, uh, uses on our behalf, but also gives us to use on behalf of others. And we looked at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 12, and we identified from that passage that the tool that God has given us is the principle of generosity. And uh, just to, without reading that passage, what we saw is God is the supplier. He supplies into our reservoir. Um, and as he supplies, because it's his anyway, we give out to help the needs of others. And it doesn't uh, deplenish, uh, uh, deplete our reservoir, but God continues to place in our reservoir. And so there's this cycle that's going on. It's the principle of generosity. And when we learn this principle of generosity, we find great freedom in our lives, because after all, God is a very generous God, if we think about it. In fact, we know God is a very generous God. So, here's what I would say about this morning. This is much larger than finances. But this is really more about being contenders for more of God in every area of our lives, including our finances. 
but again, it's about contending for God in our marriages, in our singleness, in our families, in our relationships, and the list goes on, and it includes finances. And that's my challenge to us as a people, not just today, but as we move on through the year, that we would continue to be hungry and thirsty for more of Him. And as we are, what's going to happen is we're going to see these areas coming into alignment with what God says about each of those areas, including our finances, because we're being spiritually formed by His Word. And that's what it's really all about. We are here. We exist. We, we are to grow in Him daily, and it should never stop. It's an ongoing process. So with that, would you stand? I want to pray that over us. Father God, today we stand here as a people committed to you. And uh, Lord, I just speak on behalf of this group of people, myself included, that uh, our heart, our desire is to be a contender for more of you. And so I pray that as we contend, we would experience you in every area of our lives, including our finances. Father God, I pray that you would help us bring into alignment our marriages and that you would help us bring into alignment our families and our relationships, our careers, our education, our worship, and of course, our finances. Father God, we ask for that exponential growth that you have for us. I pray that we would walk into all that you have, that we would know you more and that we would know you more and that we would know you more. Father God, I thank you because you are committed to this on our behalf. And you've already provided this great spiritual wealth to us through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.